Welcome to the 57th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and man who would definitely participate in The Purge, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well, my friend. How art thou, dude? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I, I had a little bit of a scare this week. A, a scare? Bit of a scare. Yeah, I... I uh... Pregnancy scare? No. Why did your mind suddenly go to pregnancy scare? I, I feel like everyone's did. I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt it. And my mind never even went there at all. Odd. Very odd. Very specific. Did you have a pregnancy scare, Adrian? No. Okay. No. All right. I practice abstinence. Anyways. Why did you have a scare, my friend? You pra- you practice abstinence. Mm-hmm. Is that true? No sex before marriage? Is that your plan? or? Anyways, what was your scare, man? Yeah, this is a film and TV podcast. That's right. Um, my scare was about film and TV, n- not about pregnancies. Uh, and uh, specifically, I was worried about Bob Odenkirk. <gasps> yeah, me too, man. I heard about that. He had a heart attack on the set of Better Call Saul. Yeah, a heart attack in which he called a small heart attack. <laughs> but we didn't know what was happening for a couple days there. Yeah. It was very worrisome. I, I really love Bob Odenkirk. I think he's a phenomenal actor and he just seems like a good dude in any interviews and stuff like that. And it, I would have been very heartbroken. That that would, Yeah, again, I, I don't want to put that into the universe. I'm just very glad he is a healthy man. Um, he's back on his feet. Uh, he, he won in that fight against the heart. And uh, yeah, he's doing better, thankfully. I, I, I really appreciated the, the tweets posted by... Uh, I think it was his brother um, or maybe his son and uh, David Cross, especially. I think David Cross literally just posted. Uh, uh, David Cross is an actor, by the way, um, just so you know, Simon. Um, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, incredible. What is he in, Adrian? Arrested Development, most notably. Oh, yeah? At least for me. Yeah. What about S- Mr. Show with Bob and David? That that as well. Yeah. That as well. That Bob being Odenkirk. I didn't know who he was, so I don't know how I got that, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he, he I think he just posted Bob one or something like that. Um, like on Twitter, which was really nice. Yeah. It was yeah, it was it was nice. The outpouring of people that just seemed to tweet about it when every like people learned about it. It was I don't know, I don't maybe I don't participate enough in twitter i didn't participate in this but I, maybe i don't witness twitter enough like it just seems like a lot of good good vibes which i appreciate because i feel like some people believe twitter is a bit of a cesspool at times it is most of the time so yeah yeah that was it was nice and i'm i am very glad he's he's okay me too I feel like we can't take another blow like that no i don't want to um on twitter i follow this page that is literally called images that make you feel happy so Occasionally when I'm scrolling through Twitter, I smile. Oh, that's good. Yeah. There's also one called dudes posting their W's, which I really like. That one always makes me smile. Oh, yeah. That's good. There's a couple of ones that I follow that are- That's good, Adrian. Yeah, that are just positive, you know? There's a few- I'm happy for you. Yeah, there's a few that are just ridiculous though that I follow as well. Like, um, There's literally one called images that are just unbelievable or images that are unbelievable. And that's exactly what it is. You see images and you're like, Jesus Christ, that's unbelievable. That's exactly what you say. Um it was aptly named. Mm-hmm. It's aptly named is what you're saying. Exactly. There's also one called Gen Z moments, which I really like. 
because they always just post things that like you know kids from generation z uh post and uh do you run all these pages adrian is that why you're advertising them here no no i don't run them i just find them funny and they add a little bit of joy to my life okay and um yeah just want us want to spread some joy and cheer across the land like santa claus <laughs> okay sounds good i'm i'm happy that you you do this mm-hmm. um adrian what did you watch this week like what have you been watching what what movies tv series commercials have you watched did you watch 10 movies again no, I didn't. Did you watch another 10 movies this week, like last week? That was ridiculous. No, Simon, I, I that's not going to happen often. I'll be honest with you. That that was that was a lot of movies to watch in a one-week time span. I'll be honest with you. And, yeah, and, uh, and a I lot just of- like to keep it focused here, man. I like it to keep it focused on this podcast, you know? Hey, man, it was focused. It was all within like a similar genre. And five of those 10 movies were the Purge movies. And, you know, that's a, that's a focused franchise that I spoke about. Great movies, by the way. Some of them. Some of them aren't that great, but they're, they're fun. They're fun. I like them. I like the Purge movies. I'm a Purge fan. Okay. Um. But yeah, I watched a few things. Uh, I'll start with a series, Simon. Sounds good. The Walking Dead season 10 is now on Netflix here in Canada. I saw that actually just before we came down to, uh, or I came down to do this podcast. Of course, we're not in the same room. No. Trying to keep the keep the COVID out. Um, but uh, I watched the first episode of season 10. Oh, right on. How do you like it so far? I'm, I'm nine episodes in myself. Nine episodes in? Yes. There's, isn't there only 10? Oh, no, there's 16. There's 22. Oh, geez. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realize that. You're not, how are you nine episodes in? You're you're like, yeah, that's, that's quick. So what I do, Simon, the way I watch these episodes is I turn my TV on. And I select The Walking Dead on uh, through the Netflix application on my PlayStation 5. Okay. And I, I begin playing it yeah. and I sit there and I stare at the screen. I, I see. While, while listening. Yeah. So that's how I watch nine episodes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Thanks for your sarcasm. Yeah. It's very nice of you. Mm-hmm. Kind. Anyways, what are you thinking of it? You're way further than I am. You're almost halfway through. Yeah. I'm really liking it, man. I'm really, really liking this season. It's... Far more focused than the previous seasons. And Angela Kang, she's the showrunner. She took over in, I believe, season nine. And I definitely believe season nine is one of the better seasons of the series. And I definitely agree that season 10, at least so far, is one of the better seasons of the TV show. It's really great. I feel like they're a lot more focused on the characters that matter this season. Um, There were big you know, surprises in season nine and a lot of characters died simply put uh, as happens in the walking dead, I guess. But the nice part about it is so far in season 10, they're not adding too many characters to the main cast or, or making it feel bloated. We're just following, you know, the core characters that we've been with for now a few years, if not uh, since the beginning of the show. And um, I I'm really enjoying it. I really like the characters uh, so far. Again, there's no one I really dislike anymore because uh, they killed off most of them, which I'm grateful for. And a lot of the characters that I don't like that are still alive, honestly get little to no screen time, which I really appreciate. And um, yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a lot better. The writing I feel like is even better. It still falls into the trap of, you know, some characters explain like, this is why I do things, blah, 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 yes. blah, blah. Um, it's so weird that that happens. It's 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 almost unique to The Walking Dead. Yeah, it, like it happened in the first episode. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> let me let me let me hear about your philosophies of your life. Yes, it happens a few more times throughout the season, but it it feels like it's a little bit more toned down. And um, 
this isn't really a spoiler because we know Carol and Daryl are getting their own spinoff series um, after The Walking Dead finishes, but they're getting a, a lot more screen time and they're together a lot more, which I'm very happy about because I love these two characters together. They've been around since the since the first season. They're, they're some of the only you know characters that are still around from the first season. So I've you know grown to love them over you know more than ten years at this point, and you know we get a lot more of them just hanging out and being friends and it's it kind of brings a smile to my face and honestly Norman Reedus gets a quite a bit more screen time this season as well which I appreciate um and also a lot more character he talks more and he's far more developed they have been developing him over a bunch of seasons but I feel like now he's the most three-dimensional he's ever been that's great and you know he's showing his softer side and everything like that and I'm really, really loving it so far, honestly. And there's some huge surprises that I honestly did not see coming. And as someone that read all the graphic novels, and I really like them, they're following the arcs that happen in the graphic novels. But to be fair, the vast majority of the characters are different. Uh, You know, some of the characters that are alive in the graphic novel are dead in the show uh, and vice versa. So although it's following a similar sort of um, you know, storyline, there's still enough for, for me to be continuously surprised when I watch it with, you know, characters just randomly getting killed off or, or, you know, differences in the story itself. Um, one highlight of the season as well, I would say is uh, Mephri Dean Jorgen. I, I really, I really love Jeffrey Dean Jorgen. Uh, He's he's such a great actor and he's so charismatic in the character of Negan. And I'm really glad that we're getting a lot of him this season, too. He is great. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate him. I I actually I watched the last episode of season nine to go into season 10 because I honestly couldn't remember what happened exactly because I was like, wait, didn't they end on like a really dark moment in season nine? But that apparently was the second last episode. So I I went back. And then I watched the last episode again, and he had a lot of screen time in that episode too. And so, yeah, that's great. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, again, he's just so charismatic on screen. Um, and the way he interacts with the other characters that, to be fair, hate him for good reason um, is 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 awesome to watch. And again, I, I my one downside is I just – I don't really like kids. <laughs> Kid actors, I say this quite often um, – it takes a lot for me to like kid actors. And there, there are some kid actors in the show that I'm just like, just kind of annoy me. Cause it's, you can tell they're acting and they're just not as good at acting when they are, you know, up next to a Jeffrey Jean Jorgen or a, even a Norman Reedus, you know, and I, um, you, you know what I mean? So it, that's a little bit um, annoying, but other than that, uh, again, I really like it and I'm excited to keep on watching it. And season 11, I think starts in, the middle of August. So I'm tempted to actually buy it so I can just watch it week to week, like yeah, on like the, Apple the, TV or something. The season's pass technique. Mm-hmm. I did that for every season, I think, until season 10. Yeah. The only one I didn't do it for. Because it's nice because they, again, they air the episode pretty much the day after or even like around midnight mm-hmm. um, for, you know, after it airs, which is great. Yeah. Um, to go back to Beffrey Bean Borgen, uh, he's he specifically his character now Negan is kind of reminds me a little bit. He's giving me I don't know you you're further than I am, but I find that he's giving me some uh, Michael Emerson lost uh, Ben Linus vibes, and that 
you know how Ben Linus was kind of like everyone knew him to be this crazy psychopath, and then mm-hmm. he kind of became a character that people kind of didn't hate as much in a weird way. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, Negan's definitely like more of a badass and like a brute. Uh, but yeah, like it's that similar sort of like all the characters hated him because he he was literally insane <laughs> to a certain point. Um, and yeah, now like you slowly gain sympathy over time for him, um, which I really like. It's like a redemption story, but it, it almost doesn't make sense. But because they're in an apocalypse, they can kind of I don't want to spoil anything. But yeah, I just think yeah. that's kind of an interesting tactic. And I'm curious how it's going to develop. Again, you know better than I. It's crazy. This season's 20, 22 episodes, too. It mm-hmm. just seems interesting. I'm wondering if there's going to be a time jump midway or whenever they, because they added seven episodes to like close off the season. And mm-hmm. there was a, there was literally a time jump between shooting. So I'm curious what that's going to transition yeah. as well. Cool, man. What else did you watch this week? Anything else? Anything else you watched that you would like to talk about today? Uh, yeah, actually, I guess like on the topic of kid actors, I watched a movie, Simon. That is a Netflix original movie called Vampires versus the Bronx. Oh, Have you heard of it? No. So, like I said, it's a Netflix original movie. I've been in the mood, um, obviously, for these like horror movies, horror style movies that are kind of like comedic at the same time, campy um, to a certain extent. And uh, Vampires versus the Bronx, I, I heard it's really good. It's a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and yeah, it's, it was like, I think, a horror comedy that it was labeled as. And it's. Um, Pretty much just about these kids that find out that vampire, these kids that live in the Bronx uh, that find out that vampires are moving into the Bronx and pretty much, um, you know, I guess taking over. It's really about the the gentrification of the Bronx, but instead of it being done by like rich white people, it's being done by rich white vampires, I guess, Uh, like pale vampires. Um, and it's very funny, actually. Like it's, it's genuinely hilarious. I was laughing out loud a few times. The movie is like incredibly self-aware. Like it knows exactly what it is and just fully embraces this like ridiculous concept. Um, but yeah, again, it it starts these like three little kids, uh, one like Puerto Rican boy, I think one, uh, Puerto Rican half black boy, and then one, one black boy. And, uh, yeah, you know, they're they're living in like a lower income neighborhood, obviously in the Bronx and, you know, just living their day to day lives. And uh, they uh, one of the kids sees a vampire murder this gang member and, uh, you know, tells his friends. And this the, the story is pretty much them trying to convince everyone that there are vampires in the Bronx, but obviously no one believes them. Um, this movie, I want to kind of relate it back to old we talked about old last week, the new M night Shyamalan movie and how every single character did not seem like a real person. Like no one right. seemed like a real human. Well, the dialogue was ridiculous. I, I feel like the, their stories seemed real. Like if you think about what their backstories were about, yeah. but the dialogue of each character was not realistic. Yeah, Like no one reacted to any situation like a regular person would. This movie is the exact opposite of that. I feel like the way everyone reacts to these ridiculous situations are exactly how people would act in these ridiculous situations. And the these situations these kids find themselves in and their facial expressions when they see this crazy shit going on um, really just brings a smile to my face. All three kids are actually really good actors. They're, I think, like, you know, like 12 to 14 years old, something like that. 
um, like maybe like grade eight going into high school, something like that. And um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's very nostalgic, you know, having like your your few buddies um, and letting your imagination run wild. But in this movie, it's it's actually real as opposed to uh, their imagination. Um, there was one point which I really appreciate. One of my biggest pet peeves in movies is, you know, when someone texts someone in a movie. And then I was going to say yes, because you paused, but yeah, like, yes, that happens in lots of movies. Yeah. But like when you look at the screen, it's like there's no previous thread. It always looks like it's the first message they've ever sent to each other. That is does that happen a lot? Yeah, it happens all the fucking time. At least I always notice it. That's when I notice it. And it it, it really rips me out of the movie. This movie doesn't do that the first time, which I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, that's really nice. But then later on in the movie, it does exactly that thing. And I was like, God damn it. Like, you guys had it right one time. So that's actually like my biggest negative about that movie. <laughs> because well, that's I was a very, that's a very small negative. Yeah. Sounds like honestly, it's a good movie then. It is. This movie is 90% of Rotten Tomatoes in terms of critic score. It's certified mm. fresh, which is pretty good. It's got 40 reviews. Yeah. But specifically, it's a 43% for audience score. That is very confusing to me. I honestly. Like, I can't put my finger on why someone would dislike it. At least, at least, like, have that much contrast. That's like Last Jedi levels of contrast. And I feel like this movie is a hell of a lot less controversial than The Last Jedi. Um, and honestly, I can't really put my finger on it. Like, it might be, you know, people being like, oh, it's uh, it's portraying white people as the bad guys, blah, 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 blah. Like, maybe maybe that's like a movement that people got upset about. But it's literally like these these vampires. They're vampires <laughs> that are coming in and, and destroying the Bronx. So I don't know. That's a weird one to me. I- Some of the reviews here are they're claiming that they it's like a ripoff of the Lost Boys, like the Joel Schumacher movie from the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties. Sorry, are there vampires mm-hmm. in the Lost Boys? Yes. Oh wow! Yeah. I never watched the Lost Boys. Anyway, that's what they they're claiming. Huh. But I don't have perspective on that, so I don't know. That's I- uh, it's a strange thing because that's come up multiple times in the two hundred fifty reviews. So I think that's probably the outlier or the, sorry, the common denominator. Maybe I'll check out this Lost Boys movie. Never watched it. Maybe you should. Maybe you but should. If it's similar, like I, I'll probably like it because yeah, I really like this movie. It's really cute. Like it's funny. It's a good time. I like the characters in it. Um, Yeah, I, I recommend it. It's also a Netflix original, at least here in Canada. I imagine it's a Netflix original anywhere, everywhere, but I don't know that for a fact because I know there are some things that are Netflix originals here and or or in the states and then not here. Um, what was that movie with Rosamund Pike that you watched? Um, it was on Amazon Prime here in Canada, but everywhere else it's on Netflix. I don't care. I care a lot. Oh, I care a lot. Yeah, and that was like an example where it's not. Um, it's technically a Netflix original in the states, but not here in Canada. That was a good movie. It was a yeah. good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's uh, that's really the main things. Uh, did, have you watched anything before I go on go on to my last thing? Uh, I have. I watched one particular show and I watched it all the way through. It's an Apple TV Plus show. I'm I'm on this Apple TV Plus kick lately. I've also been watching Servant. Oh. But I, I'll talk only briefly about Servant. Actually, why did I why did I say also before I told you what it was I was watching? Anyway, we'll start um, with Servant, I guess. <laughs> let's start with Servant. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I clearly wrote all this down. Um, no, Servant um, is really quite good. And Night Shyamalan directed the first episode. He directed four episodes of the show in total. It's a horror show on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And it's good. I, I really am enjoying it. We're like five episodes in, my girlfriend and I. And um, it's very creepy. It's not like horror in your face, like, you know, 
something popping out from behind a door. Yeah, a door or like a cabinet or something like that and saying, whoa, and then you just get scared out of your seat. Um, yeah, like those classic <laughs> horror movies where people yeah, yeah. hop out of a door and go, whoa. I remember that. Exactly. That's in, that's in every exactly. Friday the 13th movie. That's what Jason does. That's why he's so iconic. Indeed, exactly. You know you know it. But anyways, this is quite good. M. Night Shyamalan sets the tone in the beginning of this uh, show. He doesn't write this show. There's there's no M. Night Shyamalan dialogue in this show. Okay, um, But honestly, the directing style of the first episode is fantastic. And it's iconically him. You can tell it's him in the way he does it. He does these interesting shots of people where he'll they're having a conversation and they'll he'll do straight shots of their face like straight on there's no weird angle he's not doing over the shoulder shots they're straight on close-ups of their face and he goes back and forth as two people are talking at like a you know kitchen table as an example and it's extremely unsettling and i think you'll know what i mean if you end up watching it but i, I am actually very impressed it's over 80 percent of rotten tomatoes um, I do recommend this. Like I, I legit, legitimately do. And I think uh, his sister directs a couple episodes of the show too. But it's interesting because his sister M. Day Shyamalan. No, <laughs> hilarious. Um, now I have to look up her name just to give her some <laughs> credit here. <laughs> M. Day Shyamalan. Come on now. <sighs> Why, Adrian? <laughs> Ishana. Ishana Shyamalan. Actually, Ashana Knight Shyamalan, I believe. Anyways, she specifically directed, I think she had a part in Old as well. I think she had a part in writing the script, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, but that aside, he sets the tone, I think, for the rest of the show. But his sh- his episodes that he's directed, and even his sister's directed uh, episodes, they are the ones that are kind of seem to be a little bit better reviewed. It's funny. Um, but again, yeah, it's it's weird how hit and miss M. Night Shyamalan is because if I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to our previous podcast, but we did not love old like that movie just seems like it's a it's, it's a dialogue mess in a lot of ways. But again, love this show and I recommend it to you if you if you have a moment because you love you seem to be in a, on a horror kick here. So it, it might be am. something you want, might want to check in. Check out. What is it about? Like what, what's the premise? So basically um, it starts off this couple. This husband and wife, they're living in Philadelphia in this like older, like almost like a, uh, I'm trying to, trying to name the name of the home, but it's like a vintage type home, like a century home. Um, he's a chef and she works for the news. She's basically like a news anchor mm-hmm. and she goes on site and she, uh, and she like, for instance, she'll go to like a, I don't know, a dump and she'll be like, oh, the dump today, they're closing down for whatever. You know what I'm talking about. It's a news anchor. Anyways, but- they go to answer the door, and apparently it's this nanny. They're hiring a nanny to come and look after their their son while they're at home or not. Um, and he works from home, and she goes, obviously, to do her job. And their son, and this is in the trailer. I don't know if you want to know this, Adrian, but I'm going to tell you. Oh, no. Their son is fake. Their son is a a doll. It is not a real baby. But they still hired a nanny. So that's the premise. <laughs> that's basically it. And uh, this nanny they hired is something. Oh. And that's, she's like an 18-year-old girl. She's not very old. And uh, she's just kind of, that's like maybe her first job. And she really is passionate about doing this job. And she's, you know, taking care of this this baby. And that's kind of the, the premise. It's very creepy. It's very eerie. The 
the cinematography is quite good. The way they do the, the the music and everything like that, it's really neat. It's got Rupert Grint in it. Uh, it's got a Rupert Grint from, of course, Harry Potter. It's got others who I should name, but I'm not actually that familiar with these actors. I know they've been in many other things, but I just I'm not as well versed in mm. in the places they've been. But Nell Tigerfree plays the nanny. Uh, Lauren Ambrose plays Dor- Dorothy Turner, one of the one of the two people in the couple, and then Toby uh, Kebbell is Sean Turner, her husband. So anyway, worth watching. So I'll move on to my next thing. The Mosquito Coast <gasps> was the other show that I watched. And I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I would watch that. It's got Justin Theroux in it. Justin Theroux. The reason I actually, the M. Night Shyamalan thing is interesting too, because there's an actual clip, like a behind the scenes clip from Mosquito Coast in which I think the the creator of the show, who's also the creator of Luther, um, he literally says, the, the person we chose for the first director kind of sets the tone and then all the directors follow that tone. And so it's funny because if you look at Servant, M. Night Shyamalan's name is plastered all over it, but he hasn't really directed that many episodes. It's not like he's uh, Sam Esmail. For instance, you, I believe he directed and wrote every episode of Mr. Robot, which is mm-hmm. just like, that seems like a huge undertaking. But M. Night Shyamalan directed two episodes in a 10 episode season for season one for The Servant. But I, I can get that flavor that they just followed his tone all the way through, especially if you're going to follow someone like M. Night Shyamalan, you kind of want to do that that way. Same with House of Cards. I feel like David Fincher obviously did not direct every episode, but you can tell that they're all kind of following his style because he set the tone and that's the beauty of that show. And that's one of the reasons I think that show is so great. And in this case, this show, The Mosquito Coast, it does follow again a similar tone throughout. It's a quite an interesting story, but you don't quite get the full mystery Right away, or even you're just they're kind of just laying the mystery out for you very slowly. It's a little bit of a slow burn, but it reminds me of shows like Ozark. It reminds me of shows like Breaking Bad. The cinematography, honestly, is quite good. They do these interesting shots like they would do in Breaking Bad of, for instance, showing um, a coffee maker making the drip coffee with the camera positioned underneath the coffee maker. You know what I'm talking about? Like those yeah. interesting, weird shots you would never have, which actually brings me to reference that movie on Netflix that did something like that, but it just made no sense. That action movie, Project Power. I think you remember. There's that one shot that's just like, you're trying to be artsy here, but it makes no sense. It was like in the middle of almost like an action scene. Anyway. Yeah, it was on the, um, like it was through a floor that, and the floor wasn't like see-through. It was just like a floor. It just made, (laughs) made no sense. That's a bad movie. They did some cool shots. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest movie. They did some cool shots that I kind of was like, all right, I accept that. But then, yeah, this does not do that. I find that it does these types of shots admirably. But it's basically Justin Theroux plays a guy named uh, Ali Fox who's who's got a family. He's got uh, a girl and a boy and his wife, obviously. And then they're they're living in a place in the U.S., but he's on the run for some reason. And you're not really given the full picture right away. And it's the, the details are fuzzy and it's kids are trying to figure out why he's on the run and who he's on the run from. It's pretty exciting, honestly, all the way through. This show, in contrast to a show like Servant or um, or a show like Ted Lasso on Apple TV+, Plus, is not very well reviewed. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why. I was completely enthralled the whole way. I was, I'm was i so impressed with this show. It doesn't make sense to me that it wouldn't be reviewed up there with Ozark to me. Like, I think Ozark is slightly better, sure. But this is a different type of thing. Like, they're trying to escape the U.S. It's a it's a different kind of concept than what Ozark is offering. Mm. I just, 
it's a strange thing. Uh, well, to be yeah. fair, like I remember the first season of Ozark was only rated like a 60 something as well. Like I remember that first season wasn't, uh, sorry, it's 70, uh, like the first season of Ozark. And then it, it okay, definitely, so definitely jumped up. Got room to grow then perhaps. All right. So it's not a mini, like a limited series. Like there, there will be a season two. That seems to be the plan. I don't know. I don't know how Apple TV Plus necessarily do, does things, but I, I would argue, yeah, it's definitely going to have a season two. Like it, it, it ends on a in a spot where it's clear that they can continue it. Like there's, there's no. It's meant to continue based on where they leave it. Will it, will it be renewed? I don't know. I hope enough people watch it because I think it's, it's a gem on Apple TV Plus. Like I, I don't, it's not Ted Lasso level like in terms of how great that show is and how unique it is. But this is pretty cool. And and the Ali Fox character, he's a genius. And I, I actually, I have a thing, when I watch TV series and there's a, a really smart character that kind of is the smartest person in the room, it's always fascinating to watch what they do. He's almost MacGyver in a lot of ways. He's an inventor is his thing. So he, he MacGyver situations, but in a realistic way. Like MacGyver is building things out of paper clips and rubber bands. Like that's not like that. But he's smart enough to build things that um, like other people would never even dream to try and get out of situations by building anything. And he just kind of – he thinks up – the way you can see him thinking and Justin Thoreau is a great actor. So to watch him play this character and thinking out situations on how to escape or how to get out of the situation he's in, it's very entertaining. Mm. I just uh, – he, he's like a Sherlock Holmes type, you know, like uh, Patrick Jane from The Mentalist type character and it's uh, – it's a fun one. It's it's again. It's it's fun to watch, and it kind of keeps you at the edge of your seat throughout. So I cannot. Uh, I feel like I can't recommend it enough. I don't. I don't know why I wouldn't recommend it. It's a, it's again just it's odd that it's just odd that it's rated so low. Anyway, mm. that's my two cents. Anyways, maybe I'll check it out. Like I, I love that like style of show. Like I mean, I love Ozark. I love Breaking Bad, and I really love Justin Thoreau as an actor. So if he's like the main character, I'm. I'm those that alone like kind of sells me on it so maybe i'll give that a look once i'm done uh, the walking dead season 10 there's also like luther which i think you like as well oh like, yeah the creator yeah. of luther is the guy who's that's that's one of those things too like he's one of the producers the writers for luther yeah, i loved um, luther that show's awesome maybe i'll check it out um other than that man what what have you watched my friend the last thing i watched this week we watched it in theaters together at the same cineplex theaters here in Guelph, and we watched The Green Knight. What did you think of that, Adrian? Um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I liked it. I didn't really love it. I thought it was very unique and different, like a lot of A24 movies are. Um, and I thought it was captivating. I was, I was, you know, my eyes were glued to the screen most of the time, and I was very curious to see where uh, this, this movie would go. I think the movie's use of um, uh, like cinematography, sorry, lighting uh, and just the cinematography as well, just colors in general with that lighting and how the colors really set the mood in a lot of scenes I really liked. And I think the score of the movie is freaking brilliant. I think it's awesome. And it really gives this almost unsettling and um, creepy like tone to the movie, despite it not necessarily being like really a thriller or a horror in any way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it in general. And I think Dev Patel's performance is awesome. I really love Dev Patel. Um, like, I think he's a really, really awesome actor. I know him best from uh, Skins, like the first two seasons of Skins. Um, it's kind of interesting because so many of that cast have, have gone on to do 
such big things. And yeah, he, he plays an awesome character in that show and I, I've loved him ever, ever since, but um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really love it and I don't necessarily know if I would watch it again. And I don't necessarily think it's like, I don't, I don't know if I would recommend it to everyone. Like I would need to know the person and their kind of interests and what they would like. Like I know for a fact, if my girlfriend came and watched this movie with us, she would have left the theater and been like, that movie sucked. Like I, I, she would not have liked it. She maybe would have fallen asleep. But uh, again, I think it's just interesting enough for me that it kept my attention through the two hour ish runtime. What did you think about it, man? I loved it. Oh, really? Honestly. Oh. I'm not going to say it's a, my favorite thing that I watched this year, but it's maybe my favorite movie that I've seen this year. It's amazing. And I think that the vision that David Lowry had for the film, like director David Lowry, I feel like he just fulfilled everything that he wanted it to be. And in a way that I, I we talked about this like a few months ago about Emerald Fennell making Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. That movie is exactly what she wanted. It seems like it just seems like every she crossed every t and dotted every i in terms of what you wanted for that movie to be it seemed like and i feel like that's what he did here it's weird certainly in many spots i completely agree with you i would not recommend it to everybody in fact my girlfriend did not like that movie she just kept saying how weird it was mm-hmm. <laughs> even on the way home and um so i don't think that it is for everyone but i think that the the CG or the lack of CG in terms of the visual effects were just really really cool they were really brilliant they it felt to me like they were doing something with the visual effects that they they made it seem like these fantastical elements were just real life. Like it didn't feel like mm-hmm. they were anything but real and they were very fantastical. There's so many fantastical elements and yet it just feels like it was just a real thing. There's magic in this movie, but it almost felt like it wasn't magic in a weird – I don't know how that's possible. They know it's magic, but they the characters legitimately accept the fact that it is – magic yeah it's very yeah. grounded um despite right. it despite being the fact yeah fantastic if that makes sense like fantastical i guess is the better word yeah it's like a clearly a fantasy story and yet again grounded is a good word for this alessia vikander dev patel amazing they did mm-hmm. a great job uh, as you said and uh yeah the cinematography as you mentioned too it's like so amazing those landscape shots of him riding across these various landscapes whether he's riding through the trees or riding through um this like vast like almost very bleak landscapes but it's mm-hmm. still so beautiful and like breathtaking in many ways um even doing like the way he does like David Lowry did visions like uh, 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 in a certain respect where like there's a moment there's almost like a dream sequence but they don't do the typical, this is a dream sequence. They like do this panning of the camera where it almost rotates 360 degrees. To, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what you recall what I'm talking about. Yeah. I was just like, I'm like, wow, what a good way. What an interesting way to do that. Like you didn't have to do it that way. And it's just, um, it's so interesting. I, I just, again, everything about it is, it just seems realized by the director in, in many ways. So yeah. I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that front. Yeah, that one scene, and I know exactly what you're talking about where the camera, yeah, literally just pans 360 degrees one way and then pans back the 360 degrees. It was awesome. Like that might actually be one of my favorite parts in the movie because when it happened, I was like, what the fuck? Like this is nuts. Like it's, it was, it was slow, yet my eyes were glued to the screen. Um, a couple of highlights in the movie was the super adorable fox as well really cute yes it's the imagery with the fox just in general where they didn't they showed him in 
like that real time, but they showed him on tapestry in various spots as well. There's almost like foreshadowing elements in the movie. Mm-hmm. It constantly kept happening. Ah, it's, it's so good. It's it's just the imagery is so I don't know, it's distinct. Yeah, very it, much. It's so. like old had distinct imagery, actually, funny enough. That's what I was trying to say last week when I was re- reviewing it last week with you. I, I feel like it had distinct imagery, but dialogue was awful. This movie had good dialogue and it had distinct imagery. It just felt like these people were real and everything was just a, it was just happening before our eyes. The titling was also really neat too. These chapter titling elements that I thought were very interesting and unique. Like I don't think I've seen it quite done like that anywhere else. So again, I, I do really like it, but I get why you would say you wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Mm-hmm. Critics found this movie good because they rated it 90, 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. Or sorry, it is 90% of Rotten Tomatoes, meaning that critics did arguably like it. But users did not did not like it. People watching it, it's a, like a 53, 55% mm. of Rotten Tomatoes in terms yeah. of audience score. So Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see that. There's uh, one scene in particular, it's in the trailer, and it's like when these titans are kind of just walking across um, like this like big foggy vista. And honestly, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is terrifying. And I immediately thought of Attack on Titan. And uh, yeah, I was just like, man, I feel like I feel like we could get a uh, Attack on Titan movie to a certain extent, do a different kind of story, but just have these like monsters roaming the earth, destroying everything. I don't know. It depends who's doing it, though. Like, that's the problem, right? Like, you get these studios who realize like the problem with that is that that's a Titan that that actual anime is a Titan. People Mm -hmm. from all over the world watch that and they think that's that a lot of people believe that's the greatest anime they've ever watched. A lot of people that don't really watch anime will watch that and say that's a great anime. It's a great thing. It's a great TV series. Yeah. And the problem with that is you get a production company. You get like, I don't know, somebody gets involved and then they just want to make money off of it. For instance, like M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Oof. I never watched that movie. I'm never going to. I love uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I love that series. It's it's fantastic. But yeah, I'm definitely not going to watch that movie ever. Anyway, yeah, I recommend The Green Knight, but I think you'd have to potentially like A24 films and the, and the artsy, independent type aspect of what it is. Mm-hmm. But I think that it has potential. Well, I don't even know. I was going to say it has potential Oscar choices, but now I'm what Oscar chances, I should say. But I, I'm questioning. I don't know what, what the Academy would think. Like, I'm not, I'm not even sure. Is it too weird? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if anything, like I could see it get nominated for a cinematography um, like award or visual or, effects, yeah, visual effects, something like that. But I don't know about best picture. Again, I, I oh didn't... maybe not best picture, but even cinema a cinematography nomination is pretty. I think it's pretty impactful. Like that's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, no, I, I did like it. I just didn't love it, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's unique, and and I, I agree with pretty much everything you say. Cool, 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 cool. Super cool, man. Indeed. Should we go into the news? Should we get on to the news, Adrian, from this week? Aye. Thank you. Aye, aye. Let us start. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, 
According to publication Variety, Netflix is creating a live-action Pokemon adaptation with Lucifer showrunner Joe Henderson set to write and produce. No plot details have been revealed about the project as of yet, but sources have told Variety that the series should be along the same lines as the live-action Detective Pikachu film starring Ryan Reynolds. Hmm. Pokemon started out as a Game Boy video game series in 1995 and has been adapted into many forms over the years, including as an anime TV series, anime film series, and a very popular trading card game. The franchise follows human trainers who capture elusive animal-like Pokemon and train them to do battle. Adrian, mm -hmm. what do you make of this Pokemon series? Are you a big Pokemon fan? I'm not. I don't know why I don't recall. I really liked Pokemon like when I was young. Uh, I loved, you know, Pokemon, you know, I played Pokemon Blue back on my old Game Boy color. And uh, I love like the second generation of Pokemon, like Pokemon, like Johto region with Pokemon like Crystal. I played that game uh, honestly countless amount of times when I was a kid. I really, really loved uh, Pokemon back in the day. And, you know, over the years, like I, I definitely have grown out of it. Uh, there was the new Pokemon game that came out on Switch last year, I think, or the year prior called Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, I think I got Pokemon Shield and that game honestly sucked. Like I did not have fun playing it, um, but I still like Pokemon as a franchise. I think it's really neat and I really did enjoy the Detective Pikachu movie personally. Um, I did too. I did too. I thought that was a fun movie and I thought that they did the Pokemon well. I, I, it was in a time in which they they teased the Sonic movie and the Sonic the Hedgehog animation was just awful. Yeah. How I did question how they were going to do the Pokemon movie because of that, but yeah, and they I feel like they did the like they did an amazing job bringing all those Pokemon to life in like, you know, this 3D animation that made it look like the real world. Um my only kind of um worry about this is, you know, it being a TV show, like can you keep up that high quality of CG animation in like a in a Netflix series, I mean, Netflix definitely has the budget to do it, but is it going to look as good as that? That's that's one of my big worries about it. I feel like it's really easy to be pulled out of something when when this when this you know you kind of cross this like CGI and live action, and it just rarely looks that great, even in like you know with a TV budget. I think of hell, even Game of Thrones. Like, there's a few scenes that I can think of off the top of my head with like, you know, like Daenerys when she's riding a dragon and it just doesn't look that great. Not as great as, you know, what you could do in a, with a big movie budget. Um, and I, I hope it doesn't kind of fall into that camp. Um, however, again, you know, it not like, we don't really know the plot details or anything about this, but if they go the detective Pikachu route or have something similar to that, um, at least tonally, um, I'm definitely going to watch it. There's no doubt in my mind. I will. And I really like what Netflix is doing. Like they're they're going for these big franchises, these multimedia franchises, and bringing them to life in various ways. Like we, I talked about the Castlevania anime series, which I absolutely adore. You know, there's four seasons of that. Um, they did like a Godzilla anime. They're doing a bunch of these anime adaptations, but uh, most recently, Cowboy Bebop, Cowboy Bebop, which is a big one, The Witcher, which again is not anime, but you know, it's a big book series and a video game series. Like Netflix is going all into these like multimedia franchises, which I think is the right call. It's going to drag people in because, you know, me not necessarily loving, you know, the Castlevania like games, me pl uh, watching that anime series definitely made me want to try these games. 
And uh, I don't know, like with there's even rumors right now about a Dragon Age series on Netflix. This is not by any reliable sources. So I take this with a huge grain of salt or a tiny grain. What of is this? Hype beast? Like, what, what are we talking about? Uh, I, I I heard it on a podcast. It was mentioned on uh, a, a different podcast earlier um, that I listened to this earlier. Like this a, week. Oh, two parts removed? We're, we're doing thir- a tertiary source? Technically, yeah. And, you know, like something like that, if if they're doing that, like I really love the Dragon Age games. Like I, I would definitely be into watching that series. Um, hold up, hold up. Uh, Dragon Age is a Bioware-created video game series, not a board game, just so we're clear, or, or a role-playing tabletop game. They do have a role-playing tabletop game, to be fair. That was post-Dragon Age on video game, though, right, Adrian? Uh, Yes, probably. You're so unsure. Anyways, I apologize to Kenneth Salabar for talking about video games. Classic. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think Netflix is making the right moves, and... I mean, Pokemon is just, it's still so huge. It's one, like, it's one of, if not one, like, the biggest, like, Nintendo-based franchise. It sells millions upon millions of copies with every single new release. You know, you have adults playing it that are, you know, fans from when they were kids. Kids are still playing it, picking it up. You got Pokemon Go, which is, you know, one of the biggest, like... To the like, polls, am I right? <laughs> that was a classic. I, <laughs> good old Hillary Clinton classic hillary but yeah you know like i i think this is uh this is a stellar move and i'm i'm already sold on it like i'll definitely watch at the very least one episode of it unless it's absolutely atrocious but again i'll make up my mo- own mind after watching that first episode and then continue it from there do you have any interest in this i like you're not a huge pokemon fan right i am honestly like i had a game boy advance uh with the backlight backlit screen i had an original game boy advance back in the day and i played crystal and i played emerald mm-hmm. um so yeah no i i i am i am sort of i just don't know i don't know how this is gonna be like I was kind of surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by Detective Pikachu because that world seemed fully realized, but it didn't seem like the Pokemon TV series that I had watched or the games that I had played. Like it seemed like it was like a weird side venture that did feel realized. Like it didn't seem like it was half baked, and I was impressed. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds did a great job voicing Pikachu, and I'm very curious to see how this will go. I hope that Netflix knocks it out of the park because they are taking some big swings, as you mentioned. So we'll, mm. we'll see. Yeah, I guess we will, my friend. I guess we will. Indeed. You know what's weird? I didn't know that Pokemon was initially a game. I, I wasn't sure. I, I was like, I could have been, but I wasn't. I didn't know if it was a TV series, whether it was a card game or whether it was a video game first. And so I mm. had to look that up. Yeah, yeah. It's cool that it was a video game on Game Boy first yeah and then it made an incredibly popular anime series that is still going on and a trading card game which you can sell like trading cards for like a lot of money like thousands of dollars which is just insane to me yeah there's people in the states beating each other up outside of target like i think target literally announced that they were gonna stop uh carrying pokemon cards because people were like fighting for them it's ridiculous. Which is recent, which is which is so funny to me. There must have been a stop though, right? There was a, it's a peaks and valleys. Like this wasn't popular like two years ago, was it? Am I crazy? Or was this always popular and I just didn't notice? Like the trading People card game? Beating, beating each other up. I don't know, man. Yeah, the trading card game. Like I'm sure it was popular throughout, but I think there's like spikes. Like this has got to be one of the spikes. Like I, I was only recently hearing that they were going for like thousands of dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't recall. I've never been into like the trading card ecosystem, so I don't know whether or not it was popular before, but I wouldn't be surprised with like the success of like Pokemon Go that maybe it was happening and I just wasn't paying attention to it, but I don't know. 
Yeah. It's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Alrighty then. Cool, man. Let's move on to number two. As Variety reports, actor-producer Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney as a response to Disney's decision to launch her Black Widow film on streaming service Disney Plus simultaneously as in theaters. Johansson's contract dictates that she gets paid based upon box office ticket sales, and as of this writing, Black Widow's box office result sits at a relatively low $319 million, which some analysts believe will land Black Widow as one of the lowest-grossing Marvel films thus far. The lawsuit claims that Marvel Studios promised Johansson that Black Widow would be a, quote, theatrical release. The suit goes on to claim that there is evidence to suggest that the release of Black Widow as a premier access title on Disney Plus pulled large numbers of potential moviegoers away from buying theater tickets and towards renting the film on Disney's streaming service instead. To the benefit of investors and Disney's share price, Disney even boasted about the success of Black Widow on Disney Plus after the July 9th opening weekend when they disclosed the $60 million in earnings from Premier Access sales alone. When news of the lawsuit was made public, Disney retaliated with a statement claiming, quote, There is no merit whatsoever to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, unquote. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Like, fuck yourself. Disney also vaguely claimed that the Black Widow Disney Plus launch would somehow enhance Scarlett Johansson's chances for a bonus to her earnings beyond her $20 million salary. It is somewhat unclear whether there are undisclosed contract details stipulating a bonus based upon streaming revenue in Johansson's contract. And I'm going to keep reading. I apologize, but let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us, longtime listener, longtime writer-inner. Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us, and he said, Movie dudes, by now you've heard the news reporting Scarlett Johansson suing Disney. Black Widow was released theatrically and on their streaming service the same day. Apparently, Johansson's contract included a clause for kickbacks from box office sales for Black Widow, which would have been reduced by the availability of streaming. The outcome of this lawsuit may serve as a precedent, as other streaming services are releasing movies to their platforms early or simultaneously to the theatrical release. Emily Blunt and John Krasinski's purported lawsuit with Paramount is similar, but with a couple of differences. The time between the theatrical run of A Quiet Place and streaming was reduced from 90 days to 45 days. Paramount released the movie on their streaming service free, reducing the odds of anyone bothering to go to the theaters. Disney Plus is still charging a large enough premium for early access that if theaters are accessible, it would be cheaper for individuals to see them on the big screen. In both cases... While obvious that their back-end payoff from box office will be reduced by the studio's decisions, does it constitute a breach of contract? The argument could be made that the amount garnered from the theatrical release would be reduced anyway, with theaters being closed or at reduced capacity due to the pandemic. I expect to hear more cases in the future, especially since HBO is releasing movies in theaters and on streaming services at the same time, or streaming free for a month. Hmm. Personally, I would like to see the minimum 90-day gap between theatrical and streaming releases brought back. As it stands, it doesn't seem profitable to operate a theater. Signed, Kenneth, and a quote here, football games are on TV, and it doesn't affect stadium attendance at all. It's the same with movies. People who really love movies and like to go out on a Saturday night will go to the movie theater. A quote by Star Wars creator George Lucas, 
and kind of has in brackets here, who may be overestimating people's love for movies versus laziness and frugality. That was a lot of reading. Um, mm. Adrian, what do you think of this situation? Uh, I guess, first of all, with Scarlett Johansson and the weird clapback that, that Disney had. And then I, I didn't realize the Emily Blunt, John Krasinski lawsuit existed. So that's a that's a neat one that I'm glad that kind of threw it in about. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of the, the, the Scarlett Johansson uh, situation, like I like I'm on her side. Like, I think she has every right to sue Disney. And it's kind of frustrating to see people posting online being like, oh, like, isn't she already rich enough? And it's like she's going against a business that is that has billions, billions upon billions, billions of, of dollars. dollars. And it's like, why do you like, why are you uh, it? I don't understand people that like protect these big corporations that are like, oh, well, the you know, the business is better, blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, two, um, the clapback that Disney did is absolutely ridiculous. Pitiful. It's like the audacity of pulling Pathetic. that card is ridiculous. It's just unbelievable. When I read that, I was like, fuck these guys. Whoever wrote this is ridiculous. And it's just like, imagine. Embarrassing. Just, it is. That's exactly it, man. It's it's unbelievable. Like when I read that, I was like, I can't believe this, that these that they would try to put the blame on her when and they and then they stated how much you made. Yeah, it sounds like to say like you well, you make too much. It's like you're she's a producer on this film. She made this film happen. Yeah. She tried to fight for this film for years to make it even happen at all. It's ridiculous. And it's that quote alone sounds like something that someone that breached a fucking contract would say. Like it literally sounds like it. I'm no lawyer. I don't know about, you know, whether or not this there was a breaching contract or whatever. But either way, it's. It's just absolutely ridiculous what Disney's doing here. And honestly, it made me kind of like question, like, I, I almost don't want to support them. I will. I'm going to, I'm going to watch. Who's in charge? The stuff, but like, yeah. Who's like, running that ship? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, you know, things that were uh, brought up um, that apparently Kevin Feige is like fairly upset and distressed about what disney said um however I, I don't know what the source is there i think it was uh the hollywood reporter if i recall correctly um and there is even rumblings that emma stone is actually going to also sue disney for the the same reason uh, for them releasing um cruella on disney plus streaming service i think that came out like earlier today i saw it uh, i think ign which is a gaming website to be fair sorry ken um like posted about that and yeah, I don't know. It, I just found it like ridiculous. Like it's uh, to me, it's just unbelievable that they would even do something like that and, you know, pull the sympathy card when they are making billions of dollars like year over year. It's just it's yeah, to say like shame on you for doing this during a pandemic. It's like shame on you. Yeah. When the theaters are like hurting the most and you're going to like you're basically abusing all of these theaters. You could have waited a little longer then. Mm-hmm. Like that's just ridiculous. No, it's so awful because Premier Access, we we don't like Premier Access yeah. on the show, I argue. And I don't think that's going to ever change now. Yeah, like, I will never support Premier Access from like no matter what. I will never support that um, like that that as an option. It's it's absolutely ridiculous to me. Incredible. The statement. It, well, because of the statement is like you're going to claim this seriously. Meanwhile, you literally are literally – abusing the system you don't want to really support theaters it's not like you're giving anything back to theaters nothing's happening for them to support theaters more they're just pulling this 
money in. Mm-hmm. Like it was $60 million that they made the first opening weekend. Like that opening weekend is when they made that money. They probably made way more. They probably doubled that at least by now, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So like, no. And then there's some kind of weird vaguety about how she's going to potentially make more money when it's not in theaters. But I, I have no evidence. I, I haven't read anything about that. And I feel like they just said that so that it makes it seem like she'd be making more, but it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's a weird thing. Like people are arguing like, oh, well they didn't, it didn't say in their, in the contract. Cause I think actually Ken's asking that question. Like what is it? What it constitutes a breach of contract? Cause it's true. Like what they, it probably doesn't say in the contract that it has to be in theaters that mm-hmm. might not have been stipulated in there, but does it really matter? I mean, it's assumed that all of these movies are going to be in theaters. If there's a pe- global pandemic, then things change and you renegotiate. A good example of this is Warner Brothers re- renegotiated for all of their HBO Max day and date releases, like big movies, like your favorite movie of all time, Space Jam, uh, A New uh-huh. Legacy. That film and others, including Dune, which Denis Veneuve is like fighting against, they renegotiated the contracts cr- contracts with these filmmakers because they realized that it, it just doesn't work unless you do that because you're going to get sued. The contract does not stipulate that you're going to put it in theaters at the same time as on a streaming service. So you've got to support the creators. And that was actually a backlash in the beginning. And then they right away fixed that with all 17 films. I imagine it was all of them, but a lot of them were... F- they did, again, go into contract negotiations, renegotiations to make sure that people were made whole because it's the creators that matter in this because they also want to have a relationship with these people like you would think you would want with like one of the biggest biggest stars of all time, Scarlett Johansson. Like mm-hmm. It's a little weird. Like She's one of the highest paid actresses in the world. Yeah. Um, I would say actors in the world, but there's a weird wage gap that I don't want to get into. Um, but yeah, specifically like – you you think you'd want to work with her again? Yeah, this just goes to show that like she's she's definitely not coming back to the MCU. Like this almost confirms that it's, it's over now, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, like it makes me worry about the rest of the MCU. Like I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You do too. Like I, I hope it's in good hands. Like they could get rid of Kevin Feige. Who knows? Like they, they're making stupid decisions that you see from like. I don't know. Again, these big wigs, like Warner Brothers <laughs> when they started the DC. EU. Yeah, like they're just stupid decisions. Like that's a dumb thing to say. I, I just don't understand. You you would argue that you would just renegotiate the contract. Like I, I doubt they just sued. Like she didn't just say, oh, I'm going to sue you now. I'm sure they talked about it. And it's like, well, you're breaching my contract. Are you going to fix this? And I'm sure they said, no, you're making $20 million. And it's like, okay, well, that's too bad. Yeah, then. like screw you. I guess I'm going to sue you. Yeah. <laughs> like I know that there's a, there's a concept, like, okay, she's making $20 million. Like, you know, that that's a lot. And you said that earlier. Yeah. The thing is, you can't create a precedent. You just can't. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the principle. It, it may even be the principle more for her. I don't know. But like, if it were me, I wouldn't let them do this because no one's going to walk all over me, even if I was making five extra dollars. It doesn't even make a difference. Yeah. I just wouldn't let that happen because it's just that's not how it works. Because then the next time I go into a situation like this, some big corporation, like I don't know, Netflix, which it doesn't seem like this is something Netflix would do, would just walk all over me. Mm-hmm. No. Anyway. Yeah, and on top of that as well, like I know um, – I think ho- The Hollywood Reporter had an article about how theater owners are incredibly worried about uh, piracy due to it being released on um, Premiere Access same day. And as far as I'm aware, it's been one of the most pirated movies since its release. 
um, as well. So I think oh, that, I didn't hear that. Yeah. So that that I think goes on Scarlett Johansson's side, too, because, yeah, putting this on a streaming service, you can get that like it's high quality 4K video just at home. You screen capture that. Boom. You just load it online. You're done. Right. And then I, I like supporting the theater industry. I want to pay money for convenience and I want to pay money to get these creators paid and, and, and to get more of the things I like. So I'm not a fan of piracy in general. I, I used, I'll, I'll be honest. I used to pirate movies all the freaking time, but as soon as I could afford to pay for it, I started paying for them and I plan to continue to do that for the rest of my life, ideally. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's another um, thing to worry about is that, you know, these movies going on premier access day and date, and not only is that taking away from theater sales, but now you also have piracy taking away from, you know, theater ticket sales. And that's also hurting the theater industry. It's very worrisome, man. It's very worrisome. That You make an excellent point. But also the reason why arguably Netflix, like you could claim that, oh, well, you could just pirate Netflix. But the thing is, is that Netflix is arguably a good value. So would you pirate Netflix or would you just have Netflix? Because why would you pirate this movie? Well, Disney Plus is a great value. But once you start getting into Premier Access, are you going to pay $30? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. And then that's the question is when you create really good content and you make it easily accessible on a thing like Netflix, where you really we're all at this point two clicks away from Netflix, whether it be on our phones or on a smart TV, as an example, or on a computer, it's easy to access. And then you give it to customers, to consumers for a very good value like Netflix is or Disney Plus mm-hmm. static without premier access. People don't pirate. That's It's going to – it just curbs the pirating aspect. This is why things like Spotify are popular. And honestly, I would argue – I don't know for sure, but it seems like that's probably going to be the trend if you looked at statistics that piracy for music is probably down in comparison to the streaming services out there. It's just the way it will likely go because streaming services are very affordable and they give you every single song you've ever heard of. So Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera. Similar with Netflix, not every movie you've ever heard of. It's easy to find. They give you great content a lot of the time, shows that are absolutely amazing and movies that are absolutely amazing. And then they do this in a way that's easily accessible. So what's the outlier? Premier Access. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So that, that makes sense. And I just looked it up. The Hollywood Reporter claims, yes, the number one pirated film is Black Widow over the July 19th weekend. Yeah. According to Torrent Freak. So the Hollywood Reporter quoting Torrent Freak, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, what a what a puzzler. I'm curious how this is going to shake out because a lot of the industry is like coming to Johansson's defense saying, mm-hmm. what kind of a ridiculous thing to say is that? <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand. Um, and that's what's distressing yeah. is, is what they said, not their... Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, you're going to say... <laughs> you want to comment on distressing? Yeah. Like, that is... Yes, that's distressing and callous. Cal- the word callous, you want to use callous? There is the word callous right there. That's as callous as it gets. You're like the biggest company in the world. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're next to Apple. Yeah. You have so much damn money and you're going you're gonna to throw that around to... Uh, a random, like a, a basically a businesswoman mm-hmm. who wants to make the money that she was literally owed that you told her she would get. 
Mm-hmm. She has no responsibility to the fact that the film is going to be on Disney Plus. How does she get anything from that? Anyway, that's that's awful. Anyways, let's move on. Yeah, making me mad just thinking about it. Number three, me too. Oh, actually, hold on. Thank you, Ken, for writing into it us this week in this format as well. It worked very well with the news story. It was mm-hmm. impossible to ignore, and he added a lot to this story. So I very much appreciate Kenneth Saddlebar writing in every week, but this particular week, brilliant. Thank you very much, Ken. Brilliant. Number three. As website Collider notes, Black Panther actor Michael B. Jordan is set to produce a Val Zod-centered Superman limited series for the Warner Brothers streaming service HBO Max. The jury's still out whether Jordan will also star as Val Zod in this series, but rumors suggest that he is also eyeing the role. Val Zod is a being from the planet Krypton who took up the mantle of Superman in the comics after the Clark Kent version of Superman was brainwashed by the enemy. This new series adaptation is not to be confused with screenwriter Tanahisi Coates' upcoming Superman film that is said to feature a black actor as Clark Kent, aka Cal L. Adrian, what are you thinking about this? Are you uh, are you excited for this limited series potentially? Like, what are you thinking? Um, I don't necessarily say like would say that I'm excited for it, but I'm definitely intrigued by it because uh, I've never heard of Valzad as a character, and it's neat that. There has been a black Superman that is a wholly original character. It kind of reminds me of like Miles Morales. You know, we have a Spider-Man that is a black Puerto Rican original character. And I know that is like a consistent issue that so many people have being like, oh, they're turning all these white characters into different races, blah, 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 blah. And we both discussed on it. Like, I honestly don't mind it. Like, I'm always down to see a different angle and a, and and something new um, and and exciting. But this is. Exactly that. This is more than new and exciting. This is a wholly original, you know, character that has been black all along. And, you know, having Michael B. Jordan attached, I really do hope he plays the character because I really love Michael B. Jordan as an actor. Um, I think he's fantastic. And I think this is neat. Like we're getting a Superman. um, Like we already have, I guess, a Superman and Lois TV series with a with with a Clark Kent. But this is kind of cool. Like I feel like being backed by HBO uh, max like it's going to be a high budget production um and i'm curious what they're going to do with this story because again i don't like it's it's a similar i guess origin story in terms of you know krypton being destroyed and being sent to earth but everything past that i don't know like he he, he wasn't raised by the kents like he has his own um i guess uh like like father figure or mother figure um i'm sure and and yeah, I don't know. It's it's new. It's exciting. It's fresh. And I'm very much curious about this. Uh, what, what do you think about this, man? Yeah, it seems fascinating to me, too. It should be interesting. I, I like that HBO Max is doing this in that I, I just hope they're not diluting their content. I'm hoping they're going to keep the same quality that HBO consistently gets. That's mm-hmm. what's so exciting about that Gotham PD series, too, to have that on HBO versus the CBS Gotham series. It should be a different flavor altogether and that it's also tied into the not the dcu but at least matt reeves batman movie yeah. which i think that's just so good i'm so excited for that i'm i'm, I'm i don't know what's gonna be but i hope that it's gonna be as great as it seems to be being on hbo because hbo has i shouldn't say few misses but they at least they've, even if they miss they seem to have a very good quality track record behind them in a way. And I, this is, this is early days because Apple is very new, but I find that the Apple TV plus caliber of their TV series, the budgets behind them, the creators they're putting in charge 
it kind of reminds me of that. Those those two as as an as an option. Netflix is great too, but I find like you every now and again you get shows like I don't know what's that werewolf show Hemlock Grove. Yeah, you know I don't know. Yeah, that was pretty uh, uneventful or uninspired. Um, and I don't know, like Netflix again, has, they have a, like a larger array of shows that you know, um, uh, like we've talked about this before, but you know, larger array of shows that are made for different sort of styles of audiences. Like they have like right, reality yeah. TV shows and stuff like that. Um, which true, true. Uh, speaking of reality TV, I watched uh, a couple episodes of Sexy Beast and um, not good. <laughs> Uh, let me tell you, my girlfriend really likes it, uh, but it's very oh, good. cringy, and I am. Of course, it is, and I'm not enjoying watching expect? it. Um, but I'm gonna keep watching it with her. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I do agree with you. Like HBO has such a good track record, and even shows that I didn't really like from them, I think they're still reviewed relatively well. Uh, there was like the Righteous Gemstones, which I I brought up before, which I thought I would really like, starring John Goodman and Danny McBride, and watched a few episodes. And I'm like, I'm just not liking this. Like, this is just not in the spot. And I, uh, I just stopped watching that. But again, even that I think is reviewed well. And the quality though, the quality of the, exactly. It's the not product. like, it's not like a CW show. It's not like the flash, which has like arguably the worst CG. Have you been seeing the Flash's CGI consistently? And like that one poster they released a couple months ago where it's like, who the fuck made this? Like, it's awful. Like, it genuinely looks like they've gotten worse over time. I don't know if they've gotten a lower budget or whatever, but God damn it. I keep on seeing clips and I'm like, this is atrocious. I'd be embarrassed to work on something like that. Anyways. Yeah, I think you sent it to me or you sent it to me, not directly to me because we don't talk about this never, podcast, never but there's somebody else will. that showed it to me and it was it was pretty bad. I was shocked. And I thought you sent me like a joke poster, like somebody on I don't know, Instagram had kind of mocked it up as like a Photoshop mock-up, but no, it was a legitimate poster. It was shocking. Yeah, it was an official yeah. poster from CW and they thought what it was, was it? a good oh, idea. Do you, know, do you remember what it was of? Because I feel like we should give our audience some more context It was, uh, It was like a new speedster character. I think it's like Barry Allen's son from the future that travels to the past, whatever the kid's name is. And it's him just like running. Oh, right. And it looks so laughably awful. Like it genuinely <laughs> looks so bad. Like I know for a fact, I have no skill with Photoshop and I know for a fact, you give me enough time, I would make something way better than that. I'm looking at it here. I typed in, this is, this is the direct thing I typed into Google. I mean, you, your results may vary because Google is kind of creepy and it follows you. Uh, so what you type in, could you tailor it to you. But I wrote in CW flash poster, terrible. <laughs> I found it in the first result. <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, Looks like yes. anyway, <laughs> so yeah, the whole, the, the concept is that Warner brothers, HBO max collaborating on this for an HBO max content release, especially with Michael B. Jordan. I mean, mm -hmm. he's pretty great. So I think this could be awesome. So I, I am very, I'm excited for it in that concept. I don't know because the DCU is so mixed result at this point, what it's going to be like in general and that, well, yeah, how is it going to connect like that part kind of bothers me. Well, yeah, I'm that's just my... more invested in Marvel only because of that. Mm -hmm. Batman, I'm always going to be invested in. No matter what, Batman, I'm in. But when you're trying to get me invested in Aquaman, I'm sorry. I'm just not. <laughs> yeah. Or like Valzad, okay, maybe. I do kind of like Superman. But even Superman, Superman is kind of, he's not an everyman. He's hard to relate to. He, he, he's super powered and like he's just, he, he everything he does, he's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's harder to, like he, there's no weakness, and it, it, again, it's a you can make him relatable, and I feel like Zack Snyder did a pretty good job with that. Mm -hmm. 
in some way um, on a morality aspect maybe, but anyway. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, I do agree with you. It's like, what, like, is this going to be in its own independent universe? Is this going to connect to something? Cause so like we know with bat, the Batman, like it's obviously separate from the main DCEU line. We have Jeffrey Wright playing Com- commissioner Gordon. And most recently it's been announced that uh, JK Simmons is returning for his role as commissioner Gordon in the Batgirl movie that's coming. So that oh. seems to be connected to the mainline DCEU movies. So is this Val Zod movie going to be in its own thing? Is this Val Zod, sorry, uh, series going to be in its own thing? Is this going to possibly connect with the Batman movie that we're getting from Matt Reeves? Like, uh, like w- what's it going to be? Um, are they going to try to fold this into the DCEU what is this, you know, uh, Tennessee Coates, like Superman film, where is that movie taking place? It's so, it's such a hodgepodge. It's such a mess. Um, and honestly, yeah, like I just, I just don't really know where it sits. That's kind of the only thing that's holding me back from being fully invested because there are how many different versions of Superman arguably then going to be going on at the same time. We have the one from uh, Superman and Lois. We'll have this HBO Max series. We'll have possibly the uh, new Superman movie. Um, then technically Henry Cavill's Superman's still around. If that's that universe is still going forward, it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, and is that universe still going forward though? Well, that's the unclear thing for me. Well, you'd assume so if they're doing the Batgirl thing, um, and having JK Simmons in it. And then on top of that, you know, they're making Aquaman Aquaman. two. uh, they're making a Shazam two, and Shazam is directly connected to that universe as well. Um, I, I imagine the third Wonder Woman movie as well. There was a time in which I got the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, if maybe I misunderstood, but Zack Snyder was like the Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a time in the beginning when they launched Men of Steel and it was kind of not not the greatest reviewed, but it was reviewed well enough that, that he was going to then be the kind of the, you know, the rock star who's kind of leading this universe. Mm-hmm. And since they, since he kind of left – well they brought in in jeff johns after that too right like they brought in jeff johns and it seemed like maybe jeff johns is now going to be like at the helm of this stuff but nothing seems consistent even with his you know they need to hire someone that they trust and that they legitimately has a good track record who loves dc comics and wants to be head this up and be literally like charlie day you know, at that wall with the string. Yeah, from uh, we need it's the Charlie sunny. Day red string. Yes, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We need that. We need that person. It may be a little less crazy yeah. than Charlie Day, but more like Kevin Feige, yeah. a little more calm and humble. That guy seems humble mm-hmm. to me. I don't know. He, I'm sure he makes a billion dollars a year, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still watching. Uh, it's Always Sunny, by the way. And God, what a ridiculous show! It's hilarious. I really like it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was saying I wasn't saying Charlie Day's humble, although he probably is as well. I, I, okay. I know you were referring to Kevin Feige, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. You know, he just seems relatively humble for an executive. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't seem like he's like a, a particularly cocky guy. You know? Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. He's a man with a plan, a man with a vision. Yes. Yes, indeed. Cool. Okay. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Publication Deadline reports, Universal and their streaming service Peacock is looking to bring horror franchise The Exorcist back online, with a new film trilogy starring original Exorcist cast member Ellen Burstyn and Hamilton star Leslie Odom Jr. I've never seen The Exorcist, but I might watch it. 
Because again, I've been on that horror kick, baby. Cool, 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 cool. Number two, as Canadian news network CBC reports, the much-loved children's animated series Arthur will end in 2022 after 25 seasons on the air. Oh, okay. I've never really been an Arthur. I was not an Arthur kid, I'll be honest with you. Were you an Arthur kid? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I didn't, I wasn't like religiously watching it as a kid, but I did I did watch enough episodes that I, it, it does make me kind of sad that this is happening because that's a long time, 25 mm-hmm. seasons. I wonder what made them to suddenly decide, oh, this is it, because Simpsons is still going strong, you know? Yeah. You know that like right wing commentator Steven Crowder? Yes. He's a piece of shit. I fucking hate him. But he he would he played a character on Arthur when he was younger. Believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Steven Crowder sucks though. Number 3. According to Deadline, Netflix was officially the first major Hollywood studio to require casting cast contact crew to get vaccinated in order to work on set. Many other Hollywood studios began to follow suit after Netflix enacted the policy. Good. Good. That's all I got to say. Number four, as Variety has reported, the Suicide Squad actor Jai Courtney has been cast in Amazon's thriller series, The Terminal List, that will also star Jurassic World actor Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. Interesting. I like Chris Pratt. I like Jai Courtney. Number five, as Variety reports, the Disney Plus Marvel series following actor Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye will officially premiere on Disney Plus on November 24th, 2021. I will be honest. I'm very excited for this Hawkeye series, despite us bashing Disney this entire episode. I agree. I'm excited as well. Number six, as Deadline reports, Netflix's TV series adaptation of the DC comic series Sweet Tooth has officially been renewed for a second season. Hell yeah, it has, Simon. I love that first season. It's adorable. I loved it. Number seven, as Variety has reported, Greyhound actor Tom Hanks has been cast alongside Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, and Adrian Brody in Moonrise Kingdom director Wes Anderson's yet-to-be-titled upcoming film project. Awesome! He has a movie coming out very shortly, no? Within the next, like, few months. Uh, said to be launching in October? The French French Dispatch. Dispatch. Jinx, you owe me a relationship and two kids. Number eight. According to Ant-Man director Peyton Reed on Twitter, production has officially begun on the third Ant-Man film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium. Starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, and Jonathan Majors. I'm so very excited for this movie for multiple reasons that I'm sure you are aware of, Simon. Mm-hmm. Number nine. As Variety reports, Network TNT has renewed TV series Snowpiercer for a fourth season. I honestly didn't realize there was a season two and three. I I remember when the first season came out, and I don't remember there ever being a season two or three. Number 10. As reported by Variety, Network Stars has blocked Disney from launching their Star Plus streaming service in Brazil over a trademarking dispute. Oh, what a twist. What a twist. I wonder if Disney will sue them. I think that's why they were not allowed to put it up, Mm. because Stars was like, no, we're going to sue you. Good. Good. And that concludes the montage. Sue people. Whoa. All righty, Adrian. What do you got for me? What do you got for me this week? I got new releases for you, Simon. Oh. This is for the week of August the 2nd, which is a Monday to August the 8th, which is a Sunday. There's not too many movies coming out this week, at least what I could find. Um, So this will be brief and then... uh. And we might be able to wrap up. Who knows? The first two movies are coming out on Tuesday, August the 3rd. The first one is called Shiny Flakes, The Teenage Drug Lord. This is a Netflix original documentary about the kid that inspired the Netflix original show, How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. This kid sold drugs online. Fast, apparently. Pray Away is the next movie coming out, and it's a Netflix original documentary, another one, about the conversion therapy movement and how it harms people. The conversion therapy movement in terms of like, you know, Pray Away the Gay, like you've heard that phrase. That's yeah, what it's about. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. So fucked up. I can't believe that's still a thing. That's like so ridiculous. It's so backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty nuts. It's unbelievable. Anyways, the next movie that's coming out is coming out on Wednesday, August the 4th. And this movie is 76. Netflix. Ori- this is sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. This movie is 76. And then you read the next word you have. Netflix? Are you there, Netflix? <laughs> I feel like you went on autopilot for a second. I did. Um, sometimes when I'm reading my my script, like what I've got written, I sometimes go on autopilot and I think about think to myself, what did I just say? Mm. And that's not a good thing. I feel like it's rare when that happens, but yeah, yeah, not good. Um, I feel like that happens to Joe Biden a lot. Listen here, fat. <laughs> that's not on. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> He's not done anything like that. I noticed. Uh, like, there's, there's never. Done, he's like he's not done anything like the hairy legs. You know, they sit on my. I put the the hair down on my legs. He hasn't done anything like that that I noticed recently. A billion, which is trillion billion dollars. What was that from? I don't remember that one. Oh, you don't. Was is that pre presidency or post? Uh, I think that was pre presidency, if I recall. I don't remember exactly when. Yeah, there's less gaffes now. I find. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think he's, I don't know. I kind of like the movies he's made, but this is not a political podcast, so let's not, yeah. not make some comments on this. What's the next movie? Or, or sorry, what is 76? It's inspired by true events, Simon, this movie is. And it's about a military man who is accused of participating in a military coup and his pregnant wife must deal with it. The emotional turmoil that, that affects her. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The rest of the movies are all coming out on Friday, August the 6th, Simon. The first one is a movie called Vivo, and it's a Netflix animated musical adventure with a with a young girl and, and a monkey-looking thing. Wait, sorry. It's a monkey-looking thing? Like it may not be a monkey or – It's a type of monkey, but it, there's like okay. – I don't know what kind what, – what, what flavor of monkey it is. Okay. Um, okay. Sounds good. The Swarm is up next, and this is a Netflix original movie, and it's about a locust breeder that has trouble breeding her locusts until she realizes her locusts are hungry for blood. What? Yeah. This is a live action movie? This is a live action movie. I'm, I, I kind of want to watch it. I'll be honest with you. It's a horror. Like, Does it have anybody of note in it? Like any actors that we might know? Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. Let me let me pull this up real quick for you. This is where we find out it's again Dominic Purcell. Yeah, I don't think so. The Swarm movie. 2021. It's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Five reviews, though. So nothing crazy. No, oh, five reviews. That's nothing. Crazy. Um, No. No. This is not really related to the swarm. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I was thinking about actors kind of um, that we might know. Mm. Did you watch the trailer for the Gucci, um, the House of Gucci? Uh, no, I did not. It's worth watching. Mm. Also, because Jared Leto is in that. Because he's in the movie and he's unrecognizable. Like you can't even notice. It's a great trailer, by the way, on, on its own. And I should just note that Ridley Scott, because he's the director of that movie, he's got one of the, I feel like the most distinct ranges of of any director working today, like that of that popularity. Mm-hmm. I just think that 
he goes from like crazy sci-fi like um raised by wolves mm-hmm. he'll go to like like alien and then he'll go to like house of gucci or the robin hood movie and it's just like this it's quite wild and it's pretty cool what he's able to just to do with that it's, it's really neat i i do recommend watching that trailer because it looks really gonna it's gonna be a quite a quite a good movie it's got um lady gaga in it adam driver i mean how could you go wrong yeah maybe i'll check it out maybe i'll check out the trailer Next movie that's coming out is a movie called Val. Oh, this is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer, and it's coming to Amazon Prime Video actually. Uh, and it's a documentary about Val Kilmer, the actor. Yeah, did you see this trailer? No. Also looks really good. Mm, it's getting very good reviews. It is. Yeah. yeah, this has been out for a while. I think it was at a film festival a couple, mm-hmm. like a, maybe a month ago or a couple months ago. It was indeed. It does look quite good. Yeah. Uh, this one, I think, I'm keen on seeing. I'm just not. Sure, if I'm going to see it next week, but we'll see. Next up is a movie called Playing God. This is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app. And this is a video on demand movie. It's about a brother-sister con duo that con a billionaire by convincing him that they can in- introduce him to God. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I just want to check something real quick because I think if I recall correctly. Yeah, Alan Tudyk's in this one. Oh. Yeah. Is he one of? The, is he the billionaire? I think he's the billionaire, from what I could tell. Or he plays God. I don't know. It also has um, uh, Michael McKean in it, uh, in it as well, who's in Better Call Saul. Yeah. So uh, solid cast, honestly. Solid cast. Um, next on the list is a movie called. Do you have anything else to say about it before I move on? I feel like you wanted to say something. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Michael McKean, by the way, he um, he also said a good word about Bob Odenkirk when he collapsed on set or whatever well that's that, nice yeah. being just, his brother and all there's so much so much nice goodwill i just feel like it was really nice mm-hmm. i'm glad that bob won you know this is a, it was a good moment this this week i love good moments man i don't know about you but I, i'm a fan of good moments uh she ball is up next and it's confirmed by movie insider in the oh, app- hold on i hate good moments adrian continue This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video on demand movie. However, this movie has Chris Brown in it, and he can go fuck himself. I honestly don't understand how this guy is still famous. The amount of sexual assault allegations against this man is unbelievable, Uh, along with just abuse that he has caused, including the Rihanna thing from many years ago. He, you know, beats just like he's he's called caused a lot of violence in different places around the world. Honestly, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Hey, Chris Brown, you shouldn't watch this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. And wow, very opinionated on that one. Yeah, Chris Brown can go fuck himself. Hmm. Okay. And Oh, hi, Reddington. Is that Reddington barking in the background? How's he? Yeah. He looks at the window sometimes just randomly. People were walking past my house on the sidewalk every day, probably 300 times a day, but only randomly. Mm. He'll just randomly see someone walking as he walks by the window and he's like, oh, now, now I'm going to bark. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I love him, but uh, I don't understand his mentality of security. Yeah. Ellie's like pretty good with that. Like she doesn't bark too much uh, when there are people like she'll bark like like if, if she sees someone at the door and it's not like someone from the family. Like she doesn't. It's nice because she'll like if she hears someone at the door, she'll like walk there and then look through the window and if she recognizes them. She won't really do anything. Um, but if it's someone random, she'll just freak out. And, uh, I I go for, I go for late walks with her all the time. And she's like the biggest baby, like just scared of everything. It's like a plastic bag, like 
flowing across the freaking street and she's just freaking out barking like like a nut job and uh huh. I, i'm really trying to like make her less scared of literally everything like she's she's afraid of everything i guess that's what happens like with a covid dog and, and everything but i brought her to a dog park the other week not really a dog park there's just a, this little trail not too far from my house like in bloomingdale it's beautiful there's like a little pond and stuff she was actually doing pretty good uh like even with all the all the people that were around but we were like walking down the one path and the path goes in a bit and there's a bench and she literally like was walking ahead of me and then like past like the little gap and then saw two people like sitting on the bench and she freaked out he started barking immediately and ran behind my legs uh she's just a big baby it's adorable but i'm like you gotta chill dude you gotta chill anyway yeah reddington we walk at night and uh there's been a couple times where i walk along and there's this park i cross like i'm going along the sidewalk and the the park is to the right of me Mm -hmm. there's this because of covid they put up this like orange it's like this fence sort of thing. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's like this. It's a glow glows fluorescently in the in the lamplight, but it's it's got these two on each side of it. It's almost got these two could be seen as legs potentially to Reddington, and the body would be the the gate part. And he literally, he is multiple times saw that and thought it was an animal. <laughs> And he just freaks out at it. I'm like, he's good the entire walk, but then when he sees that, he's like jumping back, and he's like, oh. I'm like, dude, relax, man. Yeah, Reddington's also okay. a huge dog. Like he could he could take you down if he pulled hard enough. Yeah, that's a big gate though. That orange gate. Yeah. Man. A big skinny gate. It would be a big skinny type weird animal. <laughs> so you never know. Like a fox. Who knows what that that thing does? You know what I mean? If that thing came alive, Jesus. Yeah. I'd be scared of that thing. Me too. Me too, man. <laughs> Anyways. Did I describe that well? Do you think I described that well? Because I feel like I didn't. I'm just going to um, say that. It's not a gate. It's like a fence, but it's like, not really a fence. What am I trying to say? I don't know. Why am I having trouble with Like, I know what it is okay. because I've been near there. Like, I, I've seen it. I've driven past it plenty of times. So I think I know what you're right. talking about. Okay. But it, like, do I know what you're talking about due to the context of me knowing what it is or due to your explanation? It stops people from pulling into the parking lot. That's what it does. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, that thingy. Like it's the the movable thingy. Yeah, it can be moved, but it can't. It's not like it has it on a hinge or anything like that. It's just a. It's almost like pylons. You could say it's a pylon, but it's not a pylon because it's a a wooden gate. It's awful. I'm I'm doing it's I'm the doing same, a worse job describing this than before. Yeah, same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. Mm-hmm. And Adrian, for the record, I enjoy. I enjoy good things. Okay, or good moments, or whatever. Whatever I said earlier, I was just joking before. I know, obviously. I'm just making sure you know. I, I we don't talk outside this podcast, Never. and yeah, I don't want to be. I don't want to say something to you that's a lie, and then not tell you right after that it's actually I was joking because then you might think it's true for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and you might think I only like bad things or something. You never know what happens then. Yeah, I mean, you do like Ready Player One, so anyways, uh, the last movie coming Whoa. out this week is. Uh, Suicide Squad, baby. This is the James Gunn version of Suicide Squad. Excuse me? What's it called? The Suicide Squad. Thank you. The Suicide Squad. Oh, my God. You said Suicide Squad, and you also don't have a the in the document here. There you go. I I added it. Are you happy now? Yeah, go on. Sorry. What's the Suicide Squad? (laughs) This is coming to theaters, and I think HBO Max? 
on the same day, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the 17 films. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, this is James Gunn's version of The Suicide Squad. I'm very excited for this. The reviews are stellar. It is, I think, sitting at a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes with like over 80 reviews, which is awesome. I'm I'm very uh I'm very excited for this, man. I was like pretty like stoked for it. I was like, yeah, like I'm excited to watch this. I like James Gunn. Uh, I thought the trailers were pretty neat. Um, but now with the reviews being so high, I'm all I, I'm almost uh I'm almost worried. Like it, it, it are the ex- expectations too high now because I know it's re- being reviewed th- so well. Or am I going to be pleasantly surprised? I don't know. I feel like the expectations were pretty high, even for the critics going in potentially, and mm-hmm. they still rated it. Right now, it's sitting at ninety six, actually ninety six percent with ninety two reviews. That's pretty great. It's like they didn't get. I, like, I have a high expectations because of the two trailers, and because I know what James Gunn is capable of because of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Two in terms of handling a superhero movie like a team movie like this appropriately. Um. So I don't know. I yeah. Do we want to lower expectations? Is that what you're saying? Or no, I'm gonna go in with my expectations as they are right now. I try to go even keel anyway. Like I, I try and be an even as even keeled in terms of my expectations for every movie, and then whatever, what you know, reviewed highly or not highly, like it doesn't necessarily matter. Like I I enjoy Batman vs Superman. It was reviewed badly before I went to go see it. Well, you didn't example. like it the first time. I didn't like it. As much as I could have because of only because of Martha. Yeah, fair enough. And I still don't like that part. I think it's stupid. It's a little but silly. Anyway, it's good, but it's bad. It's very childlike as a as a concept. Martha. No. Sorry. Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? I don't know. I'm I am i am over that part. I don't really care. It, it, it's still a great movie all, all in all. It's even better though as a director's cut. Mm-hmm. I, that's the other thing. Like I saw that movie twice. I saw it once in IMAX, I think, too. Yeah. So like I I, I wanted to see it again. It's not like I, I just saw it and hated it. Did you get that impression? I came out of the movie theater and said, Hey, I hate this. No, I just remember you being like fairly negative on it that you didn't think it was good and then you watched it with your brother, I think. And then you yeah. changed your tune. Like I remember yeah, you I, saying I like, was mixed. Uh, I I remember you saying something along the lines like, Yeah, like uh yeah, I I feel totally different now, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm. I don't know. Maybe I had the the mixed opinion like I had with Black Widow. Maybe. Yeah. Like I, I kind of I like that movie, but I think it could have been better in a lot of ways. And then the Martha thing really threw me off. I was like, why did they do this? And then I did. Yeah, I saw it with my brother, and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's fair. Are you calling me a phony, Adrian? Is that what you're doing? Huh? How did you get that? From what I said, how did you, how did you even, whatever. I'm just trying to cause a fake fight before we end the podcast. This is more entertaining for the viewer. Come on. The listener. The listener. The listener. No one's viewing this damn thing. Anyways, we're pretty much done. We've, we've done our, we've finished our regular scheduled programming for this podcast. Do you have anything else to say? I'm, by the way, I am very excited for Suicide Squad. I can't wait to talk about it next week. Yeah. It's like, it's one of the highlights of my, well, like at least in terms of something I look forward to. I pretty much look forward to it for the last year. Um, so, I, yeah, super, super exciting. But uh, anything else you want to add, Adrian? I thank you for joining me every week. You're, you're, you're a good guy. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you talking uh, with me every week on this podcast. Makes sense that you like me, man. You like good things. Oh, uh, I get it because of the th- mm-hmm. clever. I wasn't sure what you were referencing there. Anyway, 
Cool. Uh, yeah, g- good call. Do you have anything to add? I just asked you a question. You just left it at that punchline. <laughs> no, man. No, man. I- I'm quite excited for Suicide Squad too. I get- we'll talk about it uh, next week in detail. No spoilers, though. No spoilers, of course. Of course. Unless we choose to do on a closer look, but we'll decide that post the Suicide Squad. Alrighty, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the 57th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Yeah, I mean, Suicide Squad, obviously a good movie, like it, seemingly due to the reviews. Um, and despite Batman v Superman not getting good reviews, that is also a good movie. It's a great movie, even. Love it. That's it. That's all. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye.